You're listening to Creeping Wave Radio, a documentation of our decidedly creepy escapades here at the Unaffiliated once the mics go off. What's really scary about the Russian situation is that we know so little. I mean, the information just isn't there. And in and of itself, that's suspicious. It's just a war of obfuscation, you know? Indeed, Adam. We're coming up on intermission here, but before we go, I'd like to leave you with this quote by Leo Tolstoy to mull over. In all history, there has been no war which was not hatched by the governments, the governments alone, independent of the interests of the people to whom the war is always pernicious, even when successful. Right. Yeah, thanks for that nap. And we're out. What the hell was that? What? A Tolstoy. Are you serious? It's not even relevant. It's just outdated and frankly weird. It's not my fault you're uncultured. God, it's like you get off on being a pretentious douche. I happen to be very well-versed in Russian comportment, that's all. Yeah, pee hookers. What? Like the girl that you brought into the studio last week, Katie, Kathy, Kathy. Katya, Katya. Katya, seriously unprofessional. You can't just invite the flavor of the week in here. She tangled up the cords in the back. It took me hours, man. harmless. One of Alex's friends. Yeah, well, I should have figured that's what you meant by Russian comportment. (laughs) The guy's a thug nap. We talked about this. You said, in fact, and I distinctly remember you saying that you were never going to talk to him anymore. Nah, we're cool. We went rafting last weekend, hashed some things out. (laughs) Whoopee. Well, congratulations on your new bromance nap. Jesus, Adam, what crawled up your ass tonight? Well, it's this line input right here. Huh? I wouldn't expect you to understand. Listen, while you're spouting Tolstoy, I'm trying to handle some of the technical shit around here, you know? The important stuff. Well, well what's wrong with the line exactly? N- nothing at all. It's, well, it's functionally perfect. It's just, well, I can't tell where this feed is coming from. It's, well, well, it's, it's there. It looks like break's almost over. Oop. In the pipe, five by five. And my quotes are outdated and weird. Oh, hold on. It looks like we've got a caller. Nice. Put him through. Well, we should probably screen him first. Sure. Go ahead. I have some choice quotes from War and Peace. Forget it. I'm patching him through in three, two, one. Welcome back, everybody. We are continuing our discussion of the Russian involvement in the international politics this evening. And it looks like we have a caller on the line. Hello, caller. You are on the air. Adam, it's me, Cyrus. Oh, hey, Cy. Uh, well, well, it's It's been a while. You hit the nail right on the head with that. The war of obfuscation, buddy. The reason there's no information is because the Russians are psychically clouding people's minds. Fascinating. And how are they doing that exactly? Um, hypnotic suggestion and ringtones or some kind of convert technology? Vampire sleeper cells. Wow. Everyone, if you could just bear with us for one moment, we've got some small technical glitches that need to be attended to. This is bad, dude. Why? We get crazies on the show all the time. Let him rail for a while, it'll be fun. You don't understand, Nap. This guy? This guy, there's something seriously wrong with him. Like he's mentally ill? No, well, maybe. I mean... 
think he's a beacon for dark forces. Okay. Look, I know it sounds... Okay. This Cyrus guy is the reason that I moved across the country. He's a can of worms that we don't need to be opening up. Looks like they've already hacked into your feed. Not good, Adam. Cyrus, how, how are you coming through? I muted you. I tapped into your ghost line. Adam, you never told me we had a ghost line. He's coming through that input that I couldn't find the source for. Cyrus, what the hell is going on here? Can't talk openly through this line. Those vamps have you on the radar, man. And luckily, I'm here to figure out why. Yeah, that's lucky, isn't it? Jesus, Nap, I told you to put that thing on silent in the studio. <laughs> yeah, that's Katya. Uh, she picked out that ringtone for herself so I wouldn't miss oh. her calls. Hello? Katya! <laughs> Privyata, baby. I, I'm kind of in the middle of something here, but I've always got time for you. Oh, shit. <laughs> what? Korobini. Horror what? Yeah. Uh, Quickly go back on the air before they suspect anything. I'll be right over. No, that's not necessary, really. Damn you, Adam. This is bigger than you and me right now. The entire free world is at stake. <laughs> and we are back on the air, boys and girls. Uh, it seems we lost our collar there, unfortunately. Uh, now, what is it that we were talking about, Nap? Vampires. Right. <laughs> Thanks a lot. I'd like to think that our caller was speaking more in a metaphorical sense about the potentially vampiric nature of a society unchecked. Yeah, sure. Um, whatever. To again quote Tolstoy. Oh. I sit on a man's back, choking him and making him carry me, and yet assure myself and others that I'm very sorry for him and wish to ease his lot by any means possible, except by getting off his back. Russians are, of course, notoriously opposed to piggyback rides. Confucius said. Cyrus? No time for catching up for right now, Adam. Shut down the equipment immediately. <laughs> well, folks, I feel like this might be the perfect time to wrap things up and leave you with something to ponder till next week. Uh, until then, I'm Adam. And I'm Napoleon. And that's... Wait, wait. Cyrus? They can't hear us if the audio isn't engaged. Yeah, the audience, I know. The vampires. Cyrus, how did you find us? I never lost you, Adam. Oh, creepy. You don't know the half of it. Ah, uh, should I leave you boys to get reacquainted? No, I'm not letting you out of my sight. You've already played into their hand. Oh? Your phone, give it to me. Uh, no. That ringtone, it's the most dangerous weapon in their arsenal. Tetris? Kotovaniki. Tetris was only one method of delivery. Cyrus, what are you going on about? Yeah, I was wondering that myself. It's a song you know from Tetris. It's actually an old Russian folk song. During the Cold War, the commies weaponized it for the psychotronics program. Weaponized the song? It's much more than that. They developed a device called Serpan. It was innocent enough at first, just a portable bank of electromagnetic radiation. Soon, they learn how to wield that energy into devastating effect. <laughs> devastating, you say? I'd wipe that smile off your face if I was you, Napoleon. The Soviets quickly discovered that this generator could be altered to collect bioelectronic energy from living things all around it. Plants, animals, and even men. Men like you. Um, well, technically, 
No, no. Go on. I'm interested. They would sit the subjects in a room, give them mental tasks, make them solve puzzles, all the while letting the Serpan device drain off their life force. They played that song in the background to hide the sound of the machinery. And the vampires? <laughs> yes. You see, the experimenters began sampling the bioenergy, taking of it for themselves. Just a little bit at first, but soon they became addicted. They needed more to save them, more than the experiments could offer. They became the vampires. Okay, but those experiments have been shut down for a while now. No, they've only evolved. In the Academy of Soviet Sciences, in 1984, they commissioned Alexei Pujitnov to develop a game based on those same puzzles used in those psychotronic experiments. He refined the Serpan device, made it small enough to fit inside a game cartridge, a game that could be widely distributed throughout the populace. Don't you answer that. Don't you dare. That's how they make you their slave. But I don't even have Tetris on my phone. It doesn't matter, don't you see? They don't need crude machines and cartridges anymore. The Serpan effect can be encoded into a sound, collecting the bioenergy passively through an innocent ringtone. So I'll put it on... Oh, wait, that's weird. You can't put it on silent. They're devious bastards, those Russians. And Serpan keeps evolving, faster than any of our scientists have ever been able to keep up with. Evolving into what exactly? In the 30 seconds that would have followed Napoleon, your mind would have been left completely susceptible to hypnagogic suggestion. You would have effectively became a sleeper agent. That is, if you haven't already. Hi, this is your creepy friend Napoleon Doom with a historical harangue for you whether you want it or not. In this episode, we discuss the Serpan Project. This was one of the actual projects mentioned in declassified Soviet documentation regarding the psychotronics program. Psychotronics is a fancy word for weaponizing mind control. These Soviet experiments took place between 1917 all the way till 2003. These documents allege that Soviets did indeed develop the Serpan device. According to records, this device was capable of both generation and storage of high-frequency electromagnetic radiation. The goal of its creation was indeed to collect bioenergy from living organisms and re-release it to harm or to heal. While Tetris was not on record as part of the psychotronics program, anyone who's played the classic game can tell you how absorbing it can become. Likewise, the tale of Tetris is one of government espionage and fiery corporate battles. Tetris was in fact developed by one Alexei Pajitnov while employed at the Soviet Academy of Sciences. Pajitnov, a computer engineer, developed this software in 1984 with the use of the now obsolete Electronica 60. It should be noted that Tetris is not actually a Russian word, but a portmanteau of the word tetramino, a geometric shape formed by four orthogonally connected squares, and the game of tennis. 
Its famous song, however, Korobinnikie, is a traditional Russian folk song. This cheeky romantic number is told through the metaphor of a peddler and a young girl quibbling over the price of his wares. It is perhaps fortuitous that this song is attached to the beloved Tetris as the game became the source of a great deal of haggling and conflict between potential distributors. You see, under communism, the pursuit of private business ventures had been made illegal by the Soviet Union. Tetris had been developed by Pizhitinov while he was employed at the Soviet Academy of Sciences, and thus it was the property of the state. Despite this, Alexei Pizhitinov began to develop his software for the commercial market. With the help of fellow programmer Dmitry Pavlovsky and Vadim Gerasimov, a 16-year-old computer prodigy, the game began to take shape into the delightful distraction we know and love today. Tetris was brought originally to the public as contraband, being smuggled out of the Soviet Union into Hungary. Thereafter, it spread like wildfire. When Dutch game designer Hank Rogers discovered Tetris at a 1988 electronics show in Las Vegas, he immediately understood that he was looking at a potential Russian revolution in gaming. He was not alone. A frenetic contest to secure distribution rights ensued. Back in the USSR, the state-owned company Electronorg Technica, more commonly called, by its abbreviation, Elorg, now held the key to overseas distribution. They would be courted by a host of companies eager to collect on Tetris's potential. One of these companies, Andromeda, had been distributing this game already without the proper licensure. Ilorg's director, Alexander Alexinko, soon discovered this and the jig was up. Now Andromeda, having had a taste of Tetris's earnings, sent Robert Stein into Iron Curtain territory in the hopes of winning Elorg's official approval. In a similarly brash move, Hank Rogers had already brokered a deal with Nintendo, confident he would be able to secure the rights. He traveled to the USSR on a tourist visa rather than a business one, a decidedly risky move when dealing with the scrupulous Russian government. Nevertheless, Rogers was certain he could seal the deal. Both Rogers and his competitor Stein would enter the country at the same time with the same goal in mind. Rogers would come away the victor but only after enduring a grueling two-hour interrogation by not only the KGB, but both corporate and legal personnel, all fervently guarding the much sought-after copyright. In the end, Rogers brokered an exclusivity deal for console distribution by Nintendo. If this sounds like a ridiculous amount of effort for the rights over such a simple video game, consider the fact that Robert Maxwell of the company Microsoft even made an appeal directly to President Mikhail Gorbachev. Maxwell was desperate to usurp the console distribution rights from Nintendo. Ultimately, he would be denied. So what was it about Tetris that made all these men ready to risk a lifetime in Soviet prison to win control over it? Maybe it's just a fun game. Or maybe there's something more. A special thanks to Cyrus Salisbury, who played the role of Cyrus, Adam Loyal, the voice of Adam. Napoleon's voice was produced by throwing fish dressed as celebrities at unsuspecting children and recording their reactions. If you'd like to hear your name or business read on the air at the end of each episode of Creeping Wave, consider clicking the link and becoming a Patreon. 
This is a labor of love for us here at Creeping Wave. And with your patronage, we hope to create longer, more exciting episodes with better effects and possibly animations. You fine folks make it possible, so thank you for tolerating us. This is Napoleon Doom reminding you to keep it creepy.